One of the perks of working in youth ministry is the fact that we can put on a t-shirt and head into work and that's okay. But at the same time, we know that we've got to dress a little nice, especially when it comes to confirmation mass or meeting with parents. And that's because as much as we don't like to admit, appearance does matter. But it's not just to impress others, but when we look nice, we feel nice. And when we feel nice, we feel confident. And it's not just what we put on uh, in regards to clothes, but also uh, our hair and uh, for guys, your beard, right? And um, as a guy with a beard who's had a beard longer than he's had kids or been married, I know that I've got to make it look nice and neat and even smell nice, right? And so the way that I do that is I use Catholic Beard Bomb from Catholic Bomb Co. Uh, Catholic Bomb Co. is uh, the company of one of our previous guests on the YM Transfer, Tony Vicinda. And uh, what I love about this organization is not just their products and how they uh, smell nice and look nice, but how they also, the pro, some of the proceeds go to supporting Catholic youth ministry. And if ladies, you're listening and you're like, I don't have a beard, you know, that's okay. They've got lip balm, they've got lotions, they've got all sorts of different goodies that uh, I think are just incredible and awesome. So head over to catholicbomb.co and next time you uh, make a purchase, uh, use promo code MYMBEARD, that's M-Y-M-B-E-A-R-D and receive 10% off of your discount and continue to smell nice while you do God's work. Are you tired of doing ministry on your own or trying to figure out everything by yourself? Then we encourage you to go to Marathon Youth Ministries membership site, MYMU. When you enroll in MYMU, we surround and invest in you uh, in many different ways. First, uh, by plugging you into a cohort, which is filled with like-minded leaders. And each cohort is led by an experienced parish leader who uh, will ask the right questions, introduce you to new strategies and and ways of thinking to help you build that ministry outside the box and, and overcome some of the obstacles that we face. In addition to the cohort, you have access to a growing list of online courses, uh, resources, and other great content. And you're connected to an exclusive community with other youth workers where you could just get to ask those questions that maybe you're afraid to share in, in other areas or forums. So to sign up for uh, MYMU uh, membership, uh, just go to Marathon Youth Ministry com backslash MYMU or MarathonYouthMinistry.com and click on membership. And for $35 a month or $385 a year, uh, you will be surrounded with lots of love, encouragement, investment, so that you can grow a healthy ministry that will lead to dynamic, authentic missionary disciples. Check it out. and it's me, Chris Weston, with another episode of the YM Transfer Podcast, and today's guest is Sarah Kazmarek from Alpha USA and so much more, and what I love about this conversation is Sarah's faith and how she shares it and just how it's comforting yet empowering and so much more, and so in this conversation, we not only talk about faith and the ways that God leads us, but we talk about caring for others, um, you know, small groups. Uh, and investing in community, especially in the community in our homes. And so uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I do. Bust out those pens, those notebooks, and let's get started. Hey, Sarah, how's it going? Thanks for being on the YM Transfer Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've had my coffee and Jesus, so hopefully we'll make it. It'll be good. Well, you know, what? there isn't anything better, I think, than starting your day with a cup of coffee and, you know, a little scripture or devotional or something like that, right? I mean, um, even to the point where I've romanticized about um, getting up, and I don't know, this might not be attractive to you, but I get up at like, I, I like to get up at 5 a.m., you know, have the coffee like already starting, you know, I think about it to those old Folgers commercials, you know, except better coffee and sitting down in this like little sofa chair that we have in my living room and uh, just drinking coffee and, and reading God's word and, and then imagining the rest of my day just being this graceful, like, like walk 
but usually it's me waking up at 6:45, rushing to get my kids dressed so that I can get them out the door to school. But you know, that cup of coffee in Jesus, when, when that happens, it's beautiful, right? It's so good. For a minute there, I was going to say, you lost me at 5 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I started to track with you again when you said 6.45. Things got a little harried. <laughs> well, you, you know, and, and that's the thing. Like, um, I used to be a morning bird, I, I, an early bird. Um, I've become more of a, a night owl of recent. Um, not really sure why, but uh, I do miss those, you know, sunrises uh, with Jesus and a cup of joe. So, yeah. Yeah. So. Never been. I think ministry sort of, like I used to say I was a night owl, mm-hmm. but I think working in um, youth ministry for as long as I did kind of like burnt that out of me. Yeah. yeah. Where, you know, when you're in your early 20s, you're like, yeah, let's do all night stuff. Let's stay up all night. Like, you know, do lock-ins, lockouts, retreats, whatever. And then you're like, now, you know, I'm in my mid thirties now and I'm like, oh, I can't, I just, I can't, I can't stay up all night anymore. <laughs> so, so here's a good, were you, uh, pro lock-in uh, then uh, in the height oh, of your ministry? Oh yeah, early day. Early days, it was like kind of, I think some of the things you inherit when you're yeah. an early minister in the church and you don't really know what you're doing to be fair. Um, and so you inherit a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so this was like, I was, uh, I went to youth group growing up halfway through high school, started going like my sophomore year. So like my major formation was the like formation I got as a kid in ministry oh, yeah, in the yeah. like late nineties, early two thousands. Mm-hmm. So lock-ins were key. I mean, that's like pivotal ministry time. That's where like all the good stuff happens. And in reality, as an adult looking back retrospectively, I'm like, that's where all the bad stuff happens. Not the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I, I didn't even like lock-ins as a teenager, so I've never uh, gotten into that. Uh, one, because I like my sleep so much, and two, there was just so much drama that happened. Right. And I was like, oh, because kids are sleep-deprived, and they're juiced up on sugar and refined carbs and soda, and the cute guy or cute girls there that you're trying to, yeah, it just, yep. uh, for me, it All was too things. painful. So that was, that's the one area where, and, and uh, it, it's funny, um, a lot of uh, uh, of my clients who I coach or cohorts know that um, I think that lock-ins are from the devil, but that's a oh, conversation. For, oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, seen, <laughs> I've seen the reality of like what they are. I thought they were good and then realized, yeah. no, they're yeah. bad. Yeah. So I'm glad that they can, you know, just die and go to the Lord and yep. move on to something new. Exactly, exactly. But uh um, it, uh, it, for those of you who are joining us, uh, again, um, this is, uh, the YM transfer podcast. And my guest today is Sarah. And I hope I say your name, right. Kazmarek. Well uh, done. I, I, you know, I, but, uh, Sarah and I have known each other, um, over the years in different capacities. Um, uh, she appeared on a, a podcast episode with, uh, John Ronaldo and I, the church podcast. And I remember up until that point rehearsing it over and over again. And actually the one person who I went to to make sure that I said it right that first time was a mutual friend, Tony Basinda. Cause I think he is, uh, uh, I think one of the best and most articulate individuals out there. And so, um, he, he's corrected me on many occasions of different people's names and, um, and he'll do it publicly shame you and everything like that. So I called Tony, I was like, what is it again? And he, you know, and he, he was great at it. So um, Sarah, uh, welcome to the show again. And uh, for those people who aren't familiar with you, why, why don't you tell uh, people what it is you do and, and, and what your thing is? Oh man, that's a big question, right? Um, so what I do. What, what, what you're paid to, to do. I mean, we good do so clarifier, things, right? right? What, yeah. Like... What, what's, on, what's on your business card? <laughs> Yeah, I was actually just thinking about that. Like, I think I'm going to get one of those cool digital business cards so it can just always change in the moment. Um, But uh, so my full-time gig is I am the Associate Director of Alpha Catholic for the U.S. I serve Catholic parishes and dioceses um, around the country who are trying to uh, be equipped and welcoming to reach those that are from the church um, through something called Alpha. So that's my main, main gig. Um, I also have a side gig, side hustle, as the kids say these days, um, that I serve as the pastoral director for Encounter Ministry Schools here in Brighton, Michigan. So we have a school uh, of about 400 students, um, May or September through May, uh, rather, who come to be equipped to live a life uh, fully alive in the Holy Spirit uh, once a week for three hours. And so I get the 
precious, precious job of helping um, them navigate uh, all the stuff that they bring into the school and things that they need healing from Jesus with. Um, and then, yeah, just have a passion for um, equipping young leaders. And so do something called Kindred Collective, which is uh, a ministry to young adult women. Uh, and that's kind of just a passion project on the side where um, just really want young women in their 20s um, to be firmly rooted in their identity as beloved daughters uh, before the world or anyone else gives them a different identity or an additional identity. So we do some retreat ministry around that. And that's uh, probably like all the things that I officially do. <laughs> that's it. Just, just, just those that. things. Because yeah. we also probably can assume that the, those are not, not small tasks right there and everything. And uh and uh, yeah, no, uh, that, that, that's awesome. Um, tell me, tell me a little bit more about um, Encounter. Um, and, and you said it's a school, one, but once a week, right, for a couple of hours um, to bring healing. So, uh, how did it get started? Like, uh, what's the the genesis behind that? Yeah, so a couple of years ago, um, a guy named Patrick Rice and uh, a priest named Father Matthias Thalen uh, got together um, and realized that the church. Uh, needed more of the Holy Spirit. And, and when we say church, not just institutional church, yes, but also the body of Christ, the members of the church. Um, we just knew that the Lord wanted to equip his people to, uh, to spread the gospel and not just in word, but in sign uh, as well. And so we just believe that uh, what Jesus promised us through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, in the gospels is true that we can pray for people and they can be made well, that we can um, hear from the Lord and we can share his heart for them. Um, and so we just want to equip everyday Catholics to live what we would kind of say like supernaturally natural lives, like that it's not just this like event, a moment, a retreat, um, a conference, but it's rather like the rhythms of our lives um, are powered and fueled by uh, the Holy Spirit and the heart of the Father for his children. So. Uh, we have like 200 first year students, 200 second year students now. We're kind of in the second year of existence. Um, so early days, we're still <laughs> sorting a lot of things out. But um, my job as pastoral minister is to do like inner healing and one-on-ones with our students. Awesome. Oh, so inner healings, like, uh, like is that uh, kind of going deeper into what's happening in their soul and in their heart, like discernment, um, like tell like, what do you mean exactly by inner healing? That, that yeah. sounds interesting. Yeah. So if I can, I'll just back up a little bit and kind of explain how I got into it myself. Yeah, that actually would probably be more prudent. <laughs> so why don't we do that? Yeah. yeah. So um, after college, came home and was getting a master's in counseling um, and was working as a youth minister uh, at like 22 years old in the church um, and was at the time just sort of sorting out what does God want for my life, feeling like called to help people find wholeness. I feel like that's something that the Lord has always uh, had for me and his mission uh, that we would do together on the earth. And so this idea of like wholeness, and so I pursued counseling originally um, while working as a youth minister to sort of see that come into fruition and began to, to work um, in private practice while working in the church, which was bananas. It's called a recipe for burnout, a la Sarah Kasmerich. Um, but in uh, those sessions, those early days of beginning to meet with young people for Christian counseling, um, really felt the conviction in my heart that Jesus said to me one day in a session when I was like looking up at the crucifix on the wall where he said, Sarah, I didn't come and die on the cross so that I could cope. And uh, I realized like, wow, a lot of what I had learned and I love I love uh, counseling. I love therapy. So do not hear what I am not saying, hear what I am saying. I just felt the Lord calling me um, to the particular way he wanted to bring wholeness to his sons and daughters, which was to heal their broken hearts. So um, really became passionate about uh, understanding and seeking more uh, training and teaching and equipping on what does it look like to bind up, like an Isaiah 61 says, like, help Jesus in his mission of binding up the brokenhearted. Um, and so this idea that like Jesus wants to walk into the wounds that may carry um, particular lies or beliefs about ourselves because of what has happened to us or what, what didn't happen to us, what we didn't receive, the trauma, the pain, the grief, the loss, whatever it is, 
And Jesus wants to speak truth and he wants to heal that. And he wants to um, declare like who you really are and set you on a path of more of like what he created you to be through that. So it's a prayer uh, ministry that like I've been doing probably for a little over a decade now. So once I started, I didn't stop. Um, and then I just kept going. So I've, I did anything and everything that was related to inner healing. I became doggedly passionate about it. Um, and that's kind of how I got involved with the stuff of encounter because I thought, wait, if he can heal us on the inside, as it says in the scripture, I bet he could heal us on the outside in our physical bodies, the way it does say in the scripture as well. And so then also pursued, what does that look like? What does it look like uh, to pray for people for physical healing? Um, and so it was just this beautiful kind of like journey of adventure and discovery and also a path for myself that the Lord in his kindness doesn't just want to do it through us. Um, he wants to do it in us first because he loves us not so, because he wants to use us oh, <laughs> and like equip us, but because he loves us like in his yeah. goodness as a kind, good father. Um, he wants to do it in us first uh, because uh, we're his children. That, 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 that was beautiful. That was, that was awesome. Um, where, where do you feel, where, where did the, uh, this like draw to heal? Do you think like, well, obviously it was inspired by God, but, um, you know, uh, growing up in, in, in middle school, high school, um, you know, it, it seemed like you were pretty clear or it seems like you were clear that this path of being um, a part of healing people or uh, healing lives was, was profound. Were, were there any moments um, in your adolescence or uh, even in college where, you know, that kind of helped shape or mold um, this decision? That's such a good question. <laughs> we should probably like think of these Chris Wesley questions in our lives more often to be more self-reflective, right? Yeah, but, but then you, you spend too much time thinking and, right, and, yeah. and next thing you know, right. you gotta like put out a fire. So you gotta yeah. like do something, right? Yeah, 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 no, yeah. Not, not too much navel gazing. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I think in some ways, it, I, I feel like my own discovery of what God made me for, like the purpose that he's given my life has been a little bit about, or analogous to like an archeologist when they're in a dig. So it's like they have, you have some sense that there's something under there okay. and you know that you're going to discover it, but okay. you want to move carefully and cautiously because you don't want to like break it, disrupt it, destroy it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so gently little by little, Jesus and I kind of would like brush off more of the dust to see like what was there. So it's kind of like seeing in part or knowing in part, but not completely but having that sense, you know what I mean? And so it wasn't necessarily this big moment like where I had a kid in youth ministry, I'll never forget her, Kimmy, who's like, I am made to be a dentist. I love teeth. I mean, like from like a young age, <laughs> right, right? Right, like, right, right? She had that, I didn't have that experience right. as much. Um, but just knowing that like, I was fascinated by people my whole life. Mm. Like I, I would, I'm a people watcher, like the airport is, like, you know, Christmas for me, I get to watch people and their dynamics and why I was fascinated, like what makes people tick? Why do mm. they do what they do? Um, and I've always had that. And I've always been uh, fascinated with like learning and understanding people and their stories and their mm. lives. Um, and I think that was probably like an early sense, right? But I definitely spent college. I mean, I was an English major in college. It's not like I like ran off with exactly on this like straight path and knew this is what I'm gonna do. But when you've encountered healing with Jesus, when you've experienced the power of his love in that profound of a way, like you cannot help but want to bring others to that. Mm. And so as um, I experienced like the Lord healing my own wounds, my own pain, my own grief, that was a huge piece of it. And I remember even in high school, like some of the experiences we go through and we don't know in the moment, you know, but retrospectively we see. I lost one of my best friends to suicide, like our senior year in high school. Mm. And we had done like all the things, you know, we told people, told adults, like we thought something was wrong, something was off. Like we kind of like went through that little pamphlet they give you of like, these mm. are the ways. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately we still lost her. And I remember having this passion in my heart. And this is what I think moved me into youth ministry was that like, I never want a young person to ever feel like their voice doesn't matter. Um, that like what they're going through is unseen. Um, 
then I wanted them to know that like they're always seen by God. They're always heard by him. They're always loved by him. And I didn't want uh, a repeat, you know, of anybody to have to go through that kind of pain. And so that was initially, I think, what brought me into youth ministry. And then, um, you know, the Lord from there developed this idea of like my desire to help my friend, which, you know, we couldn't this side of heaven, um, also was something he was giving me for more than just my one friend, right? He was giving it yeah. from, to me for his people, for his sons and daughters, for his young people. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting because, um, you know, I, I think back to, I had no plans of getting into youth ministry in college at all. Um, I was a communications uh, major. I was an English minor, you know, so, uh, which is funny because uh, I uh, hated English in, in high school, um, but uh, just uh, fell in love with uh just some of the classes and professors that I had and, and really turned me on to that. But in, in high school, you know, when, looking back when I first became a youth minister, I, I remember having this uh, sense of um, one of the reasons why I think God had called me into it was as a high school student, um, I had experienced pain through my parents' divorce. Um, it was a, a messy divorce and everything. And, um, uh, I grew up in youth group and, and and had that comfort every time I came to church. And I remember telling myself that that was something I wanted to be able to provide myself as a youth minister, as, as a, um, someone who worked for the church there. And not that uh, I only wanted broken kids in my ministry, um, right. although we all are broken at different capacities, but uh, definitely benefited and was blessed from a healing experience in church and wanted to then keep that going and pass that along. So it, it, it's, it's funny when you think about there are people who get into ministry because they're like, it was fun. There were so many great memories. And then there are other people who are like, yeah, I, I, I just want to love um, kids who remind me of me or the pain that I went through, or, you know, I, I don't want someone to walk the same path that I did, you know, as a teenager. And, and so um, it's, it, it's interesting to hear that. And I appreciate you sharing that too, because that, that's not uh, an easy um, uh, thing to experience, especially teens when we lose people like our peers or our friends or our loved ones, especially in a very drastic way. So, yeah, so yeah. I think that's something that propels us in ministry and, and always through like the idea, though, of like a redeemed um, understanding or a renewed mind around things. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I think there can be a danger as a parent, as a minister or as a leader um, that we want to give kids like what we don't have, but it's not from this like healthy place. <laughs> it's from right, like a right, really right. broken, wounded place. Right? right. And so even now, like in, um, like as a, as a, a, a leader in the church, whatever that really means, like, I don't know when you get dubbed that or how that actually works, but like when people start referring to you or seeing you in that role, um, I do have a desire to give young leaders what I didn't have, you know, growing up, even as a woman in ministry, um, I want them to have uh, what I did not not from like a place of like, Ooh, I didn't have this. It's really broken and painful for me, but actually it's like, Oh, the Lord has shown me a more beautiful way. And I want to walk with you on that uh, and give you what maybe I didn't have um, because I love you and I want like you're good and, and I want what's best for you. So it's kind of funny how God uses those things. And particularly when they've been healed, when God's restored that part of your heart and renewed your mind around a situation, a circumstance, you know, trauma, pain, whatever it is. Um, we do want to walk with people in it, but it's different mm. than where we sometimes see people wanting to like uh, get into the middle of uh, other people's stuff, messes, issues, and they can be a little enabling or codependent or, you know, trying to rewrite their own story through the lives of, you know, their sons, the people they're ministering to. And so it's this idea of like, yeah, it does propel us. And when we do it with Jesus and from that place of, of healing, um, it's incredibly beautiful and redemptive. Yeah, definitely. So you said something that definitely caught my attention. You said leadership in church and uh, whatever that means. Um, what do you think people define as leadership in church? And then how would you define leadership in church or just leadership in general? Yeah, that's, wow, that's a lot. That's good stuff. <laughs> and honestly, things I think I'm wrestling with a little bit right now, mm -hmm. to be fair, uh, especially the like leadership in church. What does that look like? Yeah. You know, 
Um, I think that's a question we're asking in the church as a whole right now. Uh, And I don't know that we've sorted out the answers just yet, Mm -hmm. but I'm glad we're wrestling with them. I'm glad we're taking a second look and saying like, hey, what does leadership look like? What is God's idea or vision for leadership look like in the church? So let, let me ask you this then. What do you think the church needs from leadership that they're currently not getting? Well, I think the first thing is uh, the church, I think, really needs healthy leaders. Okay. Leaders that have taken the time to like invest with Jesus in emotional and spiritual health. Um, mm. I think that positions them in a much different place to lead out of, like I said before, wholeness instead of like just brokenness out of fear or anxiety or scarcity, but rather like belovedness, abundance, deeply rooted identity. Mm. And I don't know that we've done a great job and I'm not casting blame. It's just sort of reality of equipping leaders in that way to like be on the path of uh, their own wholeness and their own uh, and, and making time and space and valuing that the way that Jesus does. Um, because when the leaders are whole, uh, I think the fruit that they bear is going to be life lasting and long lasting from generation to generation, yeah. right? Because they've developed a root system that's deep and it's nour- well nourished and it will actually provide fruit that has a seed in it that will provide more fruit, bear more trees and generation from generation will will eat from it. But when leaders aren't healthy, they don't have that root system and they're not nourished, they will provide, I think sometimes we we bear fruit that's like actually barren. Like it's Mm -hmm. actually like a a natural principle um, that you can have trees that will actually like make an apple, but there's no seed in it that has life in it that will bear for generations. But then when you do have healthy, well-nourished, well-tended, well-pruned, well-cared for like fruit trees, they will bear fruit and the fruit that it contains a seed in it that actually carries life in it, that will create another tree, they'll create another Mm -hmm. tree, they'll create another tree. And I don't know that we've done that necessarily in the church. I mean, by nature of where we are and where we've kind of gone, I remember um, kind of being encouraged to be overworked, <laughs> encouraged to, and welcome to be, you know, on a, on a path for burnout. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was encouraged to like, you know, maybe, and, and not necessarily intentionally, um, but like that my identity would be found in ministry. Yeah. And if I was good. And, and so that's just a recipe for not having a well-nourished root system. Yeah. You're just trying to just bear a lot of fruit and grow and grow and grow but not being taking the time to allow Jesus to tend to every part of, of your tree. And so I'm just taking this analogy or metaphor like really no, it, long. I, so. I, I, I love it. I mean, you know, you're, 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 you're like speaking about parts of parts of the last couple of years for me, um, you know, and uh, you know, one thing that you said with the fruit, I love the analogy of the barren fruit because, you know, Jesus says fruit, fruit that will last, right? He doesn't just say fruit. He says fruit that will last. And that's what you're talking about. And, yeah. and uh, you know, it's not just for instant results. And, and there are a lot of churches that you can look at or ministries you can look at and, you, and they look successful now. But will that last generations later? Will that continue yeah. on? And a question that I've heard a lot in um, not just church uh, conversations, but just uh leadership conversations and i feel like that's such a buzzword that yeah that's probably why you're saying that right because uh we we throw around leadership and uh what does that really mean but is uh when you're gone who's next right who who's coming up next who is uh, the person that uh, is going to take your place in, in that regards and so um so yeah i think uh no the, the analogy is spot on and i think back to moments that I've crashed and burned moments that I've had the hardest is when my identity got confused instead of being this child of God, this disciple of Christ, which could be as a youth minister, as a father, as a, a baker, or, you know, like, uh, I don't know why I picked baking, but you know, in any of these random places, when that gets confused and then that stops, there's like all of a sudden, not just an identity crisis, but you're mourning the loss of a person that no longer exists because the purpose of that person is no longer needed. Uh, so yeah, I think it's, it's a huge 
huge thing to ask ourselves, like, you know, um, you know, what, what, who's next, who's replacing us and going yeah. there. Um, yeah. And I yeah. think too, like, especially the younger you are when you start in ministry, <laughs> um, the more you need kind of that person to, to walk in front of you and, and to mentor you and to say, Hey, just very gently, you know, why do you, why do you think you're doing 800 things? Right. Right. Like, what's that, what's that about? You know, and like the initial response, cause I love, you know, it's ministry. I want to get reach more for Christ and all the right. things. Right. But then when you keep going down layer under layer under layer to like the core, why of what's mm-hmm. driving you, you may find that there's uh, a little, like a little root of performance or unlovableness or like a need to strive uh, to show that you are good enough. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I think I just, I didn't have that. And so it's sort of, passion a passion for mine that like particularly with young women because i think that's who the lord has just given me a, a love for um but that like the those young women coming home in ministry that i can walk with them and along with jesus just kind of you know the another buzzword a company accompaniment right yeah, yeah, the buzzword yeah, yeah. of the church right mm-hmm. but like literally like walk alongside jesus um with them and say hey like maybe we don't have to do this Maybe it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, so you've worked for Alpha, you've worked for Encounter, you've been a youth minister. And and so you're introduced. The great thing about ministry, right, is you meet people and you form these relationships and it's not just a transaction on, Hey, sign up for Alpha or enroll in Encounter or whatever, but it's like, I I actually want to invest further in you. And one of the things that we were talking about before we hit record here was uh, kind of this, uh, this feeling you have of, uh, or this question of how are we forming next generation leaders and specifically women and everything like that. So like, what are some of the things that God is revealing to you with that? Like, um, you know, and and what, what are some of the, well, let's talk about women because, you know, I'm, I'm a guy and, you know, (laughs) uh, I've, and I've shared this with other guests before where clients I've had who are women, like we have these conversations and I help them as much as I can, but there's definitely a moment where we hit and I'm like, I have nothing to offer you because I just don't understand the position that you're in. And, and there are these needs out there that I think not just the church, but all of us um, need to, to offer to help um, both men, but especially women, you know, continue to do what God's calling them to do. So um, I, I know there's a lot of questions in there, but let's just start yeah. with what are, what, what are like some of the needs that you're seeing for young, uh, the young generation is specifically young women um, yeah. as they emerge as uh, disciples and, and apostles and, and, and leaders in the church. Totally. Um, I think one, I just want to honor the fact that you recognize that you didn't try to run, rush in and run into a place where you're like, Oh yeah, I could totally walk with you in this, even though I'm a dude and I don't necessarily have your lived experience. I, 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 so I just I, want to say thanks. I used to do that. And I mean, yeah. I, you know, I think back there, there are a couple of women I've fortunately been able to go back to and apologize for the unintentional hurt sure. that I had. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll just use one example. I had a coworker, a very good friend of mine and everything. And there, we would be at staff meetings and she would share an idea and people would talk over it and everything. And then I, I would wait like five minutes share the same exact idea and they'd be like, Oh yeah, that's really good. Let's run with it. And so, you know, and I remember saying to her, I was like, Hey, any idea that you have, you know, jokingly, any idea that you have, just tell me and I'll say it and it'll get done. Not realizing, Oh, I am just totally like knocking down your worthiness and your value and saying like, here, rely on me, you poor little girl, you know? And, and, uh, fortunately, uh, she is just a wonderful person was able to offer me lots of forgiveness, but I was just like, man, so stupid but yeah no but we do and like uh, to be fair too i i would say i've had the the grace of like my experience of being a minister in the church has been one that i always felt like my voice was heard and honored like i was invited to tables and leadership conversations um as a woman uh sometimes i i maybe feel like the token woman in the room but (laughs) (laughs) um regardless i've always felt heard Right. So like I've had that, that, that grace, right. Um, for whatever reason, that's been my experience, but more and more, I've discovered that that's not always been, um, the experience of like my sisters who are working in the vineyard too. Um, but I think 
especially this idea around women in ministry right now, I feel particularly called to do what I can to support other women and walk alongside other women um, in ministry and women who are coming up in ministry because uh, I really feel like it's the Lord's like invitation for women to take their, to take their place at the table, um, not to earn it, but to just sit down at the place that's already been prepared for them. Um, because I think in, in the world, in the church, and you hear this from popes all the time when they talk about the dignity of women, more so now than ever. Like if you actually go back and right, read some right. of the letters that I've read yeah. from different popes, they're like, more now than ever before, we need women, right? And so I keep, I keep like not wanting to say that, but the reality is I do feel it in my, in my heart and in my spirit that the Lord is saying, I need my daughters um, to rise up. You know, I need them to to take their place as beloveds and to share like the feminine genius, um, both resting in the confidence of who they are um, as beloveds that I will fight their battles for them, but also rising up and saying, no, I'm a beloved daughter mm. and I have a place and I belong uh, and and I have gifts and I have uh, abilities that are unique to me um, that the church needs. And I believe that God did like all of the women in the world right now. He put them here for a purpose, for a reason. He chose, he could have chosen any time in the world and the culture to bring them into existence, but he chose now. And I feel like uh, the enemy has been working overtime through the culture um, on women. And so I see this need uh, for us to be able to actually have authentic relationship with one another um, to support one another, to champion one another, to encourage, to, um, joyfully celebrate what God is doing in their lives, especially as women in ministry. Sometimes when there's not a lot of mirrors or people who look like you or sound like you in a ministry context, um, the enemy can use that as a way to sort of stir up competition, right? Mm -hmm. So there's only a few of you in this sort of like lane. So it's like you compare yourself to the person there and then it, it doesn't allow for that like authentic life-giving um, connection, I believe, that empowers women to be more of what God made them to be, not less, right? Like it adds yeah. to, not detracts when we come together. Yeah. And so this idea of um, really kind of saying to the enemy, like, you're not going to have your, your way in this. Um, you're not going to divide us through comparison and competition anymore. Um, but rather we're going to choose to like celebrate, champion, call out the like, we'd say that we say like sometimes in Canada, call out the gold call out the amazing, wonderful things you see God giving them, doing in them and encouraging them with. And I believe that as women in the church do that more and more, um, we will start to see, I believe, the body uh, of Christ in the church becoming more and more of what she's intended to be. Yeah, no, that's, that's so true. Um, in what ways are you or how are you um, conveying that message or uh, articulating that message to the uh, young women and even even men because that's not just a message that uh, women need to hear but men need to hear it as well boys and girls um, how are uh, how are you articulating that um, beyond uh, your involvement in encounter um I think to me it's one of those things like there's a quote I heard once where it's like, if you're ever going to get on a stage, you better be living a life <laughs> that is like giving you something to say, right? Mm -hmm. Like that gives authenticity or um, like truth behind what you say. And so honestly, the majority of what I consider to be my most important ministry doesn't happen on stages, doesn't happen in public places. It happens over my dinner table. It happens over... Um, small coffee shop tables which I don't know why they always give you these tiny tables but whatever <laughs> like with big um, mugs has, yeah <laughs> with, with giant mugs right and they never they always wobble but whatever yeah. I, I digress um like just this desire it's that's the that's the advancement of the gospel that's how we build up with one another that's how we walk the way of Jesus together as disciples it's like the one-on-one -on -one, right so it's like the people that God has specifically asked me to invest in those women um to me are the most precious gifts that God has yeah. given me. Yeah. And, and though, though like I get the opportunity and the privilege and the honor of being able to be able to get on stage and share that message more widely and more loudly um, than maybe I do 
uh, when I'm sitting at home on my couch talking to somebody with a cup of coffee or on my front porch, like uh, that's just a, a moment. That's not actually my ministry. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, well, I would say it all depends on, on how you define ministry, but like, right. no, I hear what you're saying because I've found my profound, most profound moments where I've been most satisfied with being a child of God or a disciple is, I mean, I've, I feel like I've spoken in front of great crowds and, and done amazing talks for my teens and everything like that. But it is the, like, let's pull up, you know, two chairs and just have a conversation. And, um, and I, th I feel like, you know, we were joking about the word accompaniment and accompany uh, being the buzzword, but like, I really do think we in, in church world or ministry world have to embrace the fact that that's really how things, that's what the world needs right now. Right. That's, that's what the world needs. The world doesn't need distant speakers or, um, you know, um, informal relationships. It needs more of that. Like, you know, you're going to see me as I am. You're going to see me where I am and, and uh, you're going to, uh, you're going to accept it. Um, you know, it's fine because, and I'm sure you, you've dealt uh, with this a little bit in alpha, <clears throat> but I know in the local church, one of the struggles we have right now um, with small groups is the fact that there are a lot of small groups that don't want to meet in homes, right? They want to meet in the church mm -hmm. building. And one of the reasons, you know, people, bring and i'm sure this is one of the top reasons is that my house is too small i have to clean it i've got kids i've got a dog you know things like that and what we're saying is like yes <laughs> show people who you are yeah because that's going to lead to healing that's going to lead yeah. to truth and that's what happens even in these one-on-one -on -one conversations right is like there's no hiding um there's only so long that you can bs with someone in a one-on-one -on -one conversation before the truth starts to reveal itself we're on the stage, okay. not that there can't be powerful moments and people can't be touched, but you're like 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, I'm going to talk. I memorize the script. No one's going to interrupt me and boom, I'm out of there. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. It, For me, it, I think, yeah. yeah, I think there's also a transition too, because to be honest, I, I, I'm actually um, more of an introvert than I am an extrovert. And so the idea of when I was getting on stages was like, this is not at all <laughs> what I imagined for my life, Lord. Like, like this just makes me uncomfortable in so many ways. Um, but the, there was a shift for me when the Lord's like, hey, it's just like inviting them on your front porch. And so that's kind of the mentality I go into, even when I do get the opportunity to share with people on a larger stage. And it, and it is an honor and it's a privilege and it's a responsibility. Like when we get to speak the word of God um, and help people engage with it, um, but I always like to think about it for me that it is like, hey, you're going to come on my front porch and we're going to have a chat and it's not going to uh, hopefully be that much different. Um, but there is, I think, a little bit of what you're speaking to, because I remember the same thing when I was working in the in a parish, the idea of like bringing things into people's homes, which to me, I'm like preferred method, right? What I just mm -hmm. said is like, come into my home, right. sit at my giant table. Like I have an inordinately large dining room table <laughs> for the size house that I have. Um, because I just believe so much in table ministry, like Jesus mm. did. Like, I'm going to break bread with you. I'm going to eat with you. Like, this mm. is where we're going to get to know each other. Um, but when people say that to me, it's just a little twinge from me, like from like the Holy Spirit, where he's like, oh, they just, they think that like how they, what they, what they, per, what people perceive or how they see them affects their value or their identity, Sarah. Mm. So like speak into that. Right you know, and kind of go to that place with them. And obviously we don't have time to sit down with every single person to walk them through. Why are you uncomfortable with people seeing Cheerios on your kitchen counter? <laughs> when right, that's, right. You know, like real life. But there is something about somebody who feels very comfortable with who they are and where their value and their identity comes from that they can just invite you into any space, place in their life, any part of their journey, their walk with the Lord. And just say like, hey, this is actually who I am, where I am. To me, that's like, that's authentic vulnerability. And I think in the in the church now, and maybe even in like particularly millennial circles, like that's a, a that's a cool thing now. Like everyone wants to be, everyone talks about vulnerability. Everyone wants to share. Everyone, and sometimes I've seen vulnerability become this thing where it's like we're gonna get together and everybody's gonna share their deepest deepest truth, pains, secrets, all that stuff, right? Which 
if that's authentically what's happening in the moment of like you being bringing who you are and what's happening in your life and what the Lord's doing or what, you know, where you're wrestling or struggling, that is vulnerability. But it's not just this information dump that I think sometimes we think like now we can be vulnerable with one right, another. We right. know all this stuff, right? And to me, it's more of like the vulnerability is like just as I am in this moment, whether that's a wound coming forward or a great joy or whatever it is, deep peace. That's what I bring and that's what I share. Just as I am, no pomp, no circumstance, no mask, no, you know, no false perceptions, but rather who I am in this moment, mm. I give you. Um, well, you know, and it's, it's funny as an extrovert um, where I find myself becoming more vulnerable and finding other extroverts become more vulnerable is in that silence, right? Because it is kind of like one of those things where being silent, sometimes I, I, I love what you're saying because it's, it's not always about like just sharing information. Hey, you tell me your secret, I'll tell you my secret. And now we're friends, you know, and we can trust each other. But it is kind of just sitting in those moments and see like, okay, how are you going to anticipate the, the times where there's nothing left to say? Or how are you going to anticipate, uh, how are you going to react to uh, those moments where we just have to be patient or when someone says something and you don't know how to respond and, and there's, there's a beauty in that. And it, it's hard because I think we take comfort. We've become a world where we take comfort in metrics and numbers. And so like the attendance debate that always goes on is like an easy metric. We can take comfort if that number in a number that's going to grow. Um, but in reality, we have to remind ourselves that, Again, you know, there were times where Jesus spoke to, you know, huge crowds. And then there were times where he just sat at the well. He, you know, um, told Martha to slow down and be like Mary, you know, and it's just, and I think that's important to remind ourselves that that's healthy ministry and that's progress. And even though we can't do something for everyone, uh, if we do something for someone, I think that's key. And it reminds me of a principle, you know, with uh, volunteers. This is one of the reasons why, um, you know, I, I feel like I've been successful in growing teams of volunteers is I'm feeling like um, I shouldn't, uh, there, there, we sometimes don't do things for specific volunteers because we're like, if I do something for him or her, then I'm gonna have to do it for everyone. And we even think about that with teenagers, but like really the way that we should behave is do something for someone, even if you can't do it for everyone, because the, God is gonna orchestrate, the Holy Spirit's gonna orchestrate that moment where it's going to be meaningful and impacting to the point where that person can then spread that and share that to someone else as well. Totally. And I think too, there was a shift for me in ministry early on where um, you get a little bit of whether you recognize it or not always like a little bit of a savior complex mm -hmm. and that you start to see some fruitfulness or effectiveness in your ministry. And then you're like, <gasps> And it's, it comes from a place oftentimes of like really wanting to love and impact everybody you possibly can, right? Right. Um, but the enemy sometimes can take that like good desire and twist it just a little bit and say like, well, if you don't do this, if you don't reach them, like you, you're saying like, if you don't give it to everybody, then like right. you've failed, right? And um, I used to laugh like, so my pastor, he talks about that there was a bishop at our seminary who had a little sticky note on his shaving mirror every morning to remind himself of. And it's been one now that I like, put on my little mirror too. Um, and it says, well, number one, people are crazy. <laughs> we all are. We're messy. It's going to just be that way. So just accept people as they are. And number two, you're not the savior. Mm. There's only one hero in the story and that is Jesus. And all we can do is be like him and say, like, I'm doing what the father has shown me to do. I'm saying what the father has shown me to say. That's it. Mm. That's all, all I can do. And I allow um, God to be God of the rest and radically depend on him to take care of those that in my humanness, it is impossible for me to minister to, to get to, to love, to be responsible for. Um, I'm like, Lord, they are yours. And that shift for me of like, I depended a lot more on myself in the beginning of ministry. And I still wrestle with it sometimes where like, cause my deep desire is to love people and want them to find wholeness, but it's not me. It is a hundred percent not me and I have to be reminded of that and I have to be okay with just as Jesus did to follow him in the way that he found rhythms of rest and sustainability and connection and intimacy with the father 
so that I'm only doing what I see him doing. I'm only saying what I hear him saying. And the rest is, of course, up to him, not me. And yeah. there's, free, there's freedom in that. But for some of us who found a lot of worth, identity, desire to love, to serve, to um, bring people to Jesus, I can sometimes try to hold on to that pretty tightly. Well, and, and that's because it's speaking to some of the brokenness or doubts or fears that we have about ourselves. Like if I'm, you know, getting affirmation from the teens at my parish or, you know, if I'm traveling and speaking from uh, clients or whatnot, then I can start to resent those around me that have real relationships for me and aren't going to put up with my crap, you know, and like, and, and that's, yeah, we, we have to be careful of that. But, uh, you know, I, I love the, I love the post-it. Um, people are crazy and you're not the savior. Um, man, so many times I have to remind myself of that. Yeah. You know, so many times I have to remind myself too, I'm one of the crazy ones too, but. Uh, Amen. I mean, yeah, yeah. We're, we're in that. We are yeah. people. We are yeah. part of those people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that, that, that's really good. Um, so uh, kind of going back more specifically to, to, to women and, and, and girls and, um, and, the encouragement and uh, the, um, I guess, I don't know, I, I struggle with how to phrase this, but like, um, kind of like what, what are, what are some things that we need to be doing in the church or in ministry? Um, and I use church as broad too, not just the local church, but like, what are some of the things that we need to do to um, make sure that we are, um, uh, not just picking out the token woman to be on the parish council or, um, but um, we're really uh, creating these cultures where there, where there isn't a bias towards your gender or towards, uh, you know, your ethnicity or, or demographics or, or things like that. What are, what are some things that you've seen that have worked or things that we could do to, to break down some of those barriers? Yeah. And I think to be fair, like we're all learning in this and I'm learning in this. So, I feel very teachable and humbled by like the whole process of what does this look like? How do we do this well in a way that honors like the dignity of women and what God's called them to? Well, I mean, is it, 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 sorry to interrupt, but is it fair to say like, is it weird that people are starting to finally listen? I mean, or like, is that even narrow minded to say that people are, I mean, people have been listening, but it does feel like we're more entering into a world now where, people are speaking up and people are listening. So um, yeah. I can imagine that like a small child who constantly asks their parents, can I have this? Can I have this? And them saying, no, no, no. And they're like, okay, what do you want? And you're like, I don't know what I want. Yeah. It, right. Which is, I think like exactly like so well articulates what I'm saying in, um, in the, in my response to that is like, for so many young, young women or even young leaders uh, in the church where they like it's like asking them graduate level questions like what do you need for grad school now right like hey wait how about we start at like elementary school right and we start walking through some of the things that maybe we miss mm -hmm. or we didn't get mm -hmm. i think for me it's casting a larger vision for what it looks like to be a woman in the church today um than maybe we've seen in the past and i want to i want to be really clear on this and really honor like the giftings that some women carry for like hospitality and for loving people well and creating spaces and environments, like in no way, shape or form do I want to belittle that way in which women have been invited to serve in the church. But I want to clearly also say that's not the only way that women can serve in the church. Mm. Um, I, I, for me, my desire is like to, for, for women who like Anna, um, in, in the scriptures, like was a prophetess, right? That she had like a prophetic understanding of the church, um, that she would have a voice, you know, at the table, not just to represent women, right? But like to represent what is God saying mm -hmm. that we need to be listening to right now. And he's chosen perhaps this woman um, to speak through and that um, like that we would identify, see that, call that, cultivate, call it out, cultivate it, and then make space for it. Uh, in the church, you know, that we would encourage and grow some of these young women who just have never thought it was possible um, for them to serve in the capacities um, that I think that God is making space for for us, that we can teach and preach, obviously not from um, the pulpit on at mass on Sundays, like I in no way, shape or form feel like I need to insert myself there. Right. Um, but there's so many ways 
in which God's calling us to minister. And what I think women are uniquely gifted in and could uh, really help the church grow in is I think the more we get ministry outside the church walls, um, the healthier our communities, our neighborhoods and world will be because they will have met Jesus through uh, people who've ministered to them, uh, neighbor to neighbor, person to person, uh, around a table. And so I think women know how to create those spaces, even out, like, of course, inside church, where basically, I think a lot of times they're just trying to bring their home into the church to make it yeah. more inviting, more yeah. welcoming, more yeah. hospitable. Um, but to say to a woman, like, no, you can walk alongside another woman. You can, you can help disciple her. You can walk beside her and equip and empower them to feel like they also can be disciples um, of other women and call forward their gifts uh, in, in, in the way that God has created them to be. Um, so it might have, that might have been a little scattered because I'm still just like forming and trying to follow the Lord and what he wants to do in this season. But I do feel like there is more, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> there is more that uh, the Lord wants to do with women. There's more space. Uh, there's mm -hmm. more voice. Really, there's more voices that need to be heard. And uh, my challenge to women is um, as, as, as a sister to say, Hey, like everything that we feel burning within us, let's, let's take it to the Lord and mm. let's make sure it's of him and coming from him. Um, right. Because when, when I share, when I share, uh, the passion and the vision and the mission that I believe God has for a season, a church, a person, a place, I want to make sure as much as possible that that's from him. And mm. I haven't let my own stuff get mixed up in that. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. that's what, that's what people respond to. Right. Yeah. They respond to God. They respond to his character, his nature, his heart being expressed in the way that we share things um, and not necessarily just the like passion with which we share them or the sometimes yeah. the anger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's yeah. righteous anger. Hear me. Like I'm yeah. not yeah. trying to diminish anything anybody's walked through, but the gift of like um, sifting that through with the Lord mm -hmm. so that when we speak from that place, um, we're trying to do the best we can to authentically represent him and what he's trying to say to the church, yeah. to other women, to men, to whomever, to people groups. Yeah, that's awesome. What uh, voices uh, out there have been inspiring you of late, whether in church or outside of church, or you know, what are um, some women that we should be you know, looking out for, listening to, or you know, just uh, trying to hear speak? Um, yeah, I think there's some amazing women um, in the church who've been kind of talking about this stuff uh, for a while. Um, Dr. Helen Alvare, I think, is just an amazing voice, amazing perspective. Um, I have to say, though, to be honest, for me, the confidence I've gained in my ability to um, see myself as uh, someone who can minister in the church as a woman, lead as a woman, has come from outside the church. Um, in terms of the, in terms of the denominational context, right? So in terms yeah. outside of the Catholic Church, like love my Catholicism, but have been really blessed by uh, a woman named Jenny Allen. Um, she runs something called If Gathering, um, which it was like the first time I remember sitting and listening to her speak once, and everything inside of me just like lit up like a little glowworm. Like mm. I was like, this this is what we were made for. Like because she's just really is doggedly passionate about. Um, women like learning the word of God, like learning scripture, understanding scripture, eating it, chewing it, consuming it, being transformed by it, mm. but then also walking with other women um, and not necessarily waiting for like the permission from anybody to disciple somebody right. around them. And I, I just felt this like, yes, like I love women's small groups. I love women's like book studies, Bible studies. I'm in a women's group. I have one at my home. I love it. But my, my deepest passion is that other women would say like, okay, okay, now it's time for us to go out and get other women uh, yeah. and bring them in and bring them home and show them who Jesus is, um, walk with them, you know, side by side in the scripture so that they too can like understand what it is to be a beloved daughter and a disciple mm -hmm. and go out and make other disciples. So Jenny Allen, I think is just a profound, beautiful voice, also a beautiful image of a woman whose husband um, really saw the call of the Lord on her life 
Mm. and empowered her and supported her, even though he was a pastor as well. Yeah. Right. And so there's just this beautiful complementarity I see uh, in the witness of their lives. And when you hear her husband speak, he said, I didn't want to be standing, you know, before the throne of the Lord one day and have Jesus say to me, like, did you not recognize? Did you not see what I gave uh, your, your, your flesh, your, like your wife, Jenny, to like give to the church, to serve in the church? Like, did you not see that? He's like, I didn't want to be the one standing like, well, yeah, but you know, like I had plans and like I have like all of these different things that I want to do. And he, so he said, I always want to be about what the Lord's doing. And mm -hmm. so like when that's through my wife or through me or us together as a couple or our family, like I always want to give the Lord my yes in that. So um, I think she's just been a beautiful like gift to me in understanding that. Um, and then there's some like really amazing female preachers like Christine Kane who oh yeah they bring some fire and yeah. I I love a little a little spice every now and again so but she also what I appreciate about her is she's fiery but she knows the word of the Lord like she knows the scriptures and she teaches them um, I think in a really beautiful way so I just really appreciate her as well that's awesome that's awesome so I mean I, we we I would love to keep talking about all of this uh, but um just to be true to time, just a, a couple more questions and some fun questions I like to ask uh, some of my guests out there. Um, uh, I guess the first uh, one is, uh, what are you currently reading? Um, or what, what book in the last couple of months has really caught your attention or uh, uh, really inspired you? Or maybe it's a book that you've gifted to a lot of people recently. Um, what's on your bookshelf? Oh, man. So I was an English major. So I try, I do tend to consume a lot of books, um, both fiction and nonfiction. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, I only read this. Like, I yeah, like, yeah. Both. I think a balance is good for both, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I would say I have been, I've been returning to uh, a couple of books uh, that I've read multiple times in my journey with the Lord, but um, there's a guy named Brennan Manning. I don't know if you've ever heard yeah. of, of any of him, um, his stuff, but there's one called The Furious Longing of God. Mm. Um, and another one called Abba's Child. Yeah, and, that's the one I've heard of. Yeah, Abba's yeah. Child. And yeah. so, you know, people have dif differing opinions about Brennan and, you know, whatever his, his, his life, is, like his past, his story. Um, but what I do feel so powerfully convicted by and challenged by in that is what does it look like to live a life uh, of like as a Christian, you know, trying to do the best that you can, but also the furious longing and mercy of God, mm. like of the father and holding those intention, not just for myself, which sometimes I need, but also for the people that I'm walking with, mm -hmm. you know, just the way that Jesus imaged, like he came like so beautifully to us, like he came for the broken, the sick, uh, the, you know, those who needed a healer. And sometimes I think in my own, uh, own stuff. I want them to be, you know, I want to fix them up. I want to, I want them to be more, more like God created them to be right then and there. And, um, I can wrestle with that. And so instead of being frustrated or discouraged, I'm like, Lord, what's your heart of mercy for them? And how can I love them in that? And so those, those two books I've actually just recently uh, reread and cried and wrestled and talked to the Lord about, and like, <laughs> there's something, uh, beautiful about learning to live in the holy tension that like we're in a broken world with broken people. Um, but also like we know what the Lord has called us to and what the gospel calls us to. And so where do we find, find ourselves in the middle of that? So those two are ones that I've just reread uh, very recently and they're awesome. very, very, very good. So you oh, can send, good. you can send all your opinion, opinions about Brendan Manning to Chris Wesley. At <laughs> Fortunately, I don't have an email address that starts with oh, Chris good. Wesley. So there good. we go. But, uh, <laughs> no, um, well, no, that's, that's good. And I like how you said you're revisiting. I, I've been re revisiting some uh, classics from, from stuff that we've read, like maybe in high school or college. Like uh, I just read the alchemist uh, recently and nice. uh, I just love that story of uh, just rediscovering a journey the passion and everything. And um, I think it's good to find authors and, and uh, uh, books that just challenge us greatly. Um, so, you know, we talked about the savior complex that sometimes happens in ministry, but let's just say you are a superhero and you have a superpower that um, only pertains to your ministry. Uh, what superpower would you choose 
that would best bless or help your ministry? So this, I think, is such an illuminative question. So thanks for asking it, because it's going to really show where I'm at. Um, I think it would be, I don't know. So like saints have done, some Some say saints have done this, but like the bi-location thing would be amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if I could be in more than one place at once, mm. I'd be kind of jazzed about that. But that's probably also just right now by nature of like all the things on my plate <laughs> that like just sort of like pulls back and shows like, okay, Sarah needs to multiply herself. And that's yeah. basically not in like a, an arrogant way, but what like the Lord is saying in the season. So I probably would say I could like bilocate or trilocate or whatever, just multiply that out. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, so final question. We often ask, uh, there's that question of, if you could speak to your uh, you know, former self like five years ago or 10 years ago, what would you say? Um, I like to ask it in a little different way. If you could talk to your future self, uh, 10 years down the line, five years down the line, what's something you'd want to tell them? What's something that uh, you'd want to make sure that they always remembered? Um, it's so funny. As you said that, the first thing that came to my mind was like, uh, I, I guess I would like give her, give my future self a high five. Okay. I don't know why, but I was like, okay, I would just give her a high five and I'd say, Hey, good job learning to like love yourself more and letting mm. Jesus love you more. Good job. Like keep pursuing after him. Like, I just feel like I'd be really encouraging. Um, like, cause I just feel like when we're walking with Jesus, our, when our wills and his will start to become, you know, more one, like we start to pursue holiness in that way. Um, it, it does get better and better. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go through rough, rough stuff. It doesn't mean that like, we're not still going to pause or, you know, stay someplace for a while or wrestle or struggle with things. But like, I just believe in the Christian walk as we stay closer and closer to him, that it just gets better and better. So I just want to yeah. give her a high five and tell her like, so great, you're getting better and better um, mm. than you were before. And I'm proud of you. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I love asking that question because it makes us stop and think what's good that's happening right now that we don't want to forget. What, what are principles or things about our lives that we want to make sure that we, we continue to carry on and, and, and self-care is, is huge. Well, Sarah, this has been a pleasure. This has been an honor. Um, if people want to get in touch with you or contact you, not about book choices or anything <laughs> like that, what, what's the best way that they can reach out to you? Um, probably through any of the websites. So you can go to encounterministry.us. Um, you can go to alphausa.org. Um, I have an email. There's email addresses for me on there. Uh, sometimes people follow me on Instagram or Facebook like that. I'm not that great about social media stuff. So if you get on my uh, Instagram, what you're going to get is a lot of like food pictures and foodie <laughs> tips and things like that. Cause it's a, a passion and a hobby of mine, um, and cooking and things like that. So Sometimes people go for like, hey, do you have some like inspirational quotes posted? I'm like, oh, no, probably it's like really great coffee spots in the Portland go. area. You should visit. So I just want to give people the, the forewarning. But yes, if I, um, I've met some really amazing people through the internet and social media when we engage um, in friendship through Christ um, from beautiful gifts like being uh, on this podcast with Chris, I'd love to do that. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm going to have to reach out to you next time I travel to get the hot spot uh, coffee spots that, that you've been to. Maybe we can create a resource page on Marathon Youth Ministry of best places to get coffee. Um, That's right. A map. Yeah, there we go for sure. Uh, well, Sarah, thanks again. It was awesome. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for our next conversation. Thanks for having me. We thank you for listening to this episode of the YM Transfer Podcast. And if this is something you enjoyed, we encourage you to go to our iTunes page to leave a review and to know that you can subscribe at iTunes or anywhere else this podcast can be heard. And of course, you can go to MarathonYouthMinistry.com to hear past episodes. And lastly, we encourage you, of course, share this with your friends, your families, your coworker, anyone else you know who might benefit from this podcast. We would be eternally grateful. Thank you.